Hello and welcome to the Pursuit of Healthiness podcast. I'm your host Dylan McDonald, and today's guest goes by the name of Brian O'Hengisa. He's a nutritionist and the head coach of the Fit Clinic. Over the last couple of years he's gained his bachelor's degree in human nutrition from the University of Dublin as well as completing numerous other courses including his level 1 and level 2 certificate with precision nutrition. Along with the above he's a self-proclaimed lover of stoicism, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the Simpsons, vegetables and his dog Cody. So, Brian, thanks for coming on today. Um, is there anything I've left out there, or are you happy with that? No, that's pretty good, Dylan. How are you getting on, man? It's good I'm, to be here. I'm great now. I'm great. Th- thanks again for coming on, anyways. We may as well just get straight into it. So, do you mind telling us a little bit about how you got into nutrition? Was it always something that was there and, like, around? Were you in sport, or how did it come about? Yeah, so it goes back to when I was in secondary school and I was I was playing a lot of basketball at the time. So mm. there's there's the sport element there, and then I was I was very uh, skinny, um, well skinnier than I am now, let's say, <laughs> uh, as a as a teenager and just always um, always in kind of light and skinny. So I was playing basketball, was getting on great with that, um, but I was kind of I wanted to be more physical um, mm. on the court um just have a bit more presence um not get knocked around as much um yeah. which you know it's it's fine like we still have to play well but i was like you know i want to get stronger get a little bit bigger so as soon as i turned 16 and i was able to go to the gym i started going to the gym started lifting um and then like a lot of us do became very much fascinated with how you know how that develops how your physique develops and mm-hmm. how the inputs in terms of food and nutrition and lifestyle um all factor into how you're going to progress with that so you know i got more and more interested in that uh as it went along and then by the time like the cao came around to decide what i wanted to go do in college um you know ucd have that human nutrition degree so it Mm -hmm. seemed like a uh, a good path to go down and yeah that is yeah that's this is where it's brought me to and no looking back since no like it's funny I, i don't know what i would do otherwise i have some I have some inklings of what i might do but it's hard yeah. to uh hard to think of another path now that i'm that i'm here where i am yeah and there's not many people i suppose that actually end up that way like you'll see a lot these days where when it does come around to the ceo they will pick something i think just because it's a very popular course or they think they might like it and end up not liking it unfortunately so it's great to see that you actually end up really liking the course and things like that yeah, and actually working in it as well, because even mm. a lot of my classmates, you know, a lot of them don't actually work in the field really? directly now either. Um, a lot of them have gone on to do, say, dietetics and, and things like that, mm. so further master's degrees. Um, yeah, but there's a good proportion that that just kind of got into other stuff. Like a lot of them working for, say, companies like the likes of Glambia and Kerry Group and stuff, mm. but um, doing more like advertising and marketing sides of that. So, yeah, it seems to be rarer than not to actually stick with the field okay cool well we'll leave your past where it is now and we'll go with the <laughs> present so do you mind telling us who you mainly work with at the moment i know you work with the fit clinic can you tell us maybe a little bit about who you mainly deal with yeah of course so yeah the fit clinic we're, we're an online um nutrition coaching and consultancy service so we work with with clients one-to-one and we have a team of um seven coaches so um really really good setup really good team and a lot of us have different kind of skill sets different strengths so mm. um it's great that we can cater for quite a large uh, client base depending on you know who you might get assigned to so we work at a very very wide range of people um so you got athletes you got people who are very much into exercise and and fitness we've also got people who maybe don't train at all they want to get healthier they want to lose body fat um I personally, my my niche is becoming um, people who have a very poor relationship with food and they want to improve that. Mm. So a lot of anxieties about, you know, food labeling, like this food is good, this food is bad. Yeah. Um, people engaging in like disordered eating behaviors, you know, binging, restriction, all that sort of stuff. So um, that's that's where I'm doing most of my work at the moment. But like I do have a good mix of people. So I have still, you know, fat loss clients still have athlete clients um and everything in between so we do cover a a really wide range just thanks to the fact that we have a a big enough coaching team yeah and we all have different skill sets and backgrounds that uh, enable us to do that so it's great okay cool and would it be in january now and everything have you seen a big influx of people coming in 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're grateful for that. That yeah. it's uh, it's the time of year that um, you know a lot of people are. You know, December can be quite quiet, relatively yeah. speaking, which is nice because then you have a contrast um, for for getting into January and February, where there's a big influx of people, and you know, we're just we're grateful to be in a position where we can get people on the right track. Um, yeah, know they're going to get a good service and not, you know, fall victim to any of the the bullshit that goes around this time yeah. of year with any of the quick fads and challenges and exactly man so it's it's nice to be it's nice to be standing there that people are aware of us mm. and keep becoming more aware of us so that we can you know keep having a positive impact and try and you know save people from ending up in any of those quick fixes or fads like you were saying yeah of course and um since it is january at the moment you'll see a lot of people deciding or having just begun their new year's resolutions what's your take on new year's resolutions yeah, so like there's there's a couple of sides to New Year's resolutions. Like mm. it's great it's great to see people being motivated, wanting to take action. They're like, you know, the time is now yeah. and let's go do this. But then of course we both know that in a very short space of time, most of those resolutions will be dead in the water and people will no longer be engaged with them. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of sad that there is, you know, a couple of months, three months down the line, uh, you know, gonna be a graveyard of of resolutions that were never fulfilled, let's say. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we're going to discuss, you know, why that might be and how mm. to avoid that happening. But, you know, it's great. Like anything that will push people to try and make a positive change for themselves. Of course, I'm all for that. I think it's great. Um, but I would just I'd rather see more people obviously succeed with it. And yeah. yeah, there is, there is a certain element of I'd rather people not wait for, you know, a quote, a unquote, period perfect. of the year. Yeah, like the best time to start like was yesterday and you know yeah. second best is today. So yeah. let's get it going today. Um rather than having to wait for like a Monday or a new month. And like there is there is that element of it is a fresh start and there is that sort of psychological influence. Mm. Um but yeah, not waiting for the right time, just starting and then, you know, figure it out as you go along. Yeah. I think I think there like you said there there is definitely a few sides you can come at it from. It's like it is great to see the people having the goals and actually like for someone that mightn't have had anything in the last few months, if it does give them that boost to get into it and get something said, it is great, but then you'll have the side of the people that are nearly panicking as soon as it hits 1st of January that they feel they need to have this mad goal it has to get done straight away and it's, it puts a lot of pressure and probably unnecessary pressure on people that they think it needs to get done right now because it is the 1st of January like you have no choice it needs to be rushed in and when people rush in a lot of the time they end up like you said going into that graveyard of basically failed New Year's resolutions or not successful New Year's resolutions and nearly panicking to pick pick a resolution just for the sake of having one i suppose mm. yeah it's a it's a good point like and that's that's one of the main issues probably for mm. new year's resolutioners is they may go and pick <laughs> goals or resolutions that aren't really their own yeah um because like you said everyone around them is suddenly on this wagon of making change and you know, it can become very kind of cliche and generic, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, eat healthier and, yeah. you know, exercise more and, you know, improve my relationships, this sort of thing. But it, unless you can connect with those goals on more than a superficial level, that's another major reason that you're going to fall off of them. Yeah. Um. So that, that comes back to, you know, having a really good why behind behind these goals that you have. Yeah, 100%. And that, that's actually one thing that, like, if someone does come in, I, and I'm sure you do the same thing because I know you did the precision nutrition and it was part of it, is that when people do come in on a consultation trying to find the root cause of their why. So using that five whys technique of precision nutrition, I find is a great way. And I'm sure you use it too. Um, I think I've actually seen you putting up a post about it before. Um, and just for anyone that's listening that doesn't know that, it's just really, if we ask someone what their goal is, and they say, for example, they want to lose weight. So you ask, you go through five different whys. So the main, the main points to go around, it can be actually very individual, but the main ones we go around are, if you want to lose weight, why are you doing this? Then why do you want to achieve that reason you're doing it for? Why is it important to achieve that? Why will it make a difference in our life? And why will that matter? So for example, if someone says they want to lose weight and you ask them, why do they want to lose weight so that they fit into clothes better? 
why do you want to fit into your clothes better and why does that matter uh, because it'll give me more confidence why is it important to have more confidence because I'll be able to be more in charge of my life from there and uh, eventually bit by bit you do get to the root cause and the actual reason so again you're not on that superficial surface like you're mentioning and it does actually it I suppose it helps that if something does come up and a bit of adversity you're facing a bit of adversity if you know, know the true why it's a lot easier to stick to what you have put in place rather than falling off or slipping up. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. It's super important. It's, it's like you said there that when you do come up against inevitable adversity, that mm. it's, it's more like a speed bump rather than something that's going to yeah. pull the whole axle out of your car. That's yeah, exactly. completely. Exactly. Um, so rather than falling off the wagon, it's just a bump in the road and you're and like, you catch yourself and you're back on again. Exactly. And the way I frame it with people and it's, it's pretty simple and obvious when, when you put it like this, but if you don't have a good enough reason to make a change, then why would you bother? Yeah. So if you're not connected to it in some way on a, on a sort of deeper level, you know, there's what, it, it doesn't make any sense why you would make the sacrifice um, required to make the changes that you're going to need to make to get you to that goal. If it's if it's not really meaningful to you, so that's a, a, an excellent place to start. Um, you know, with any sort of goals that you need to be connected to them, because as you said, uh, you know, motivation is fleeting, and once you hit some adversity, you need to have a good good reason inside you why you want to keep going. Um, and you know, I, I advise people to write them down and keep them, you know, look at them regularly, like if not daily, mm. to you know keep that affirming that that this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm here. And you know, that's probably one of the biggest uh, reasons that people fall off is they don't have a good enough reason to keep going. And, you know, after a couple of months, they're, you know, killing, their, killing themselves in the gym and maybe with their diets or whatever. And then they're like, hang on, you know, why am I really doing this? And, mm. and then they stop naturally. So you need to have a good reason yeah. to, to go after anything. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So if you were dealing with a client or yourself or a friend, family member, and you wanted to set goals, how would you start off approaching them goals and, and setting those goals? Is there anything in particular you usually start with or any advice you could give? Yeah, so the the first distinction is to make between uh, the outcome goals and then the behavior goals. So the way I analogize this is the the outcome is the destination where you want to get to, so that's typically what someone will bring to you when they when they have a goal of some sort. They're like, you know, I want to lose X amount of weight, say. Um, so that's the destination. You can see that. Um, so I like to compare it to like a race. So you can see the finish line, um, but you're there at the starting line. And then what fills the gap from start to the finish are these behavior goals, which are essentially habits. Um, you know, you can use those two terms interchangeably. So behaviors and habits that you do on a daily or weekly basis that, uh, you know, are the same thing as putting one foot in front of the other. So the first thing to do is to obviously set your outcome goals and those should be, you know, smart. Um, well, most of us probably heard that before that, you know, goals should be uh, specific and measurable and achievable and realistic and then timely. And we can talk about that. Um, so they, the, the outcome goals need to be that. And then you need to break the outcome goals into habits that are going to get you there. Because, you know, it, you can't just start, stand at the finish line and close your eyes and, like, concentrate really hard and just, you know, force your body's fat cells to give up body fat. Like, there's yeah. things you have to do. And those things that you have to do, the habits and behaviors, are what becomes more important because they're what actually get you there. Um, you know, it's, it's setting that initial goal doesn't, doesn't get you there. It's breaking that down into behaviors that will bridge the gap is what helps you achieve it. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. So this is exactly what I'd be thinking myself. And I think a lot of the time as well, what I find helps is when you do have that starting line and you can see your finish line, it's, it's right in front. If we have places to hit along the way so our, our smaller goals it definitely helps along the way and it keeps people motivated and I suppose you feel like accomplished as you hit those smaller goals so if mm. a person does have that one big larger goal and that finish line if we are having our pit stops along the way I suppose to help us out with motivation it can definitely help a lot yeah definitely because 
you know, there's nothing that kills motivation like a goal seeming, you know, too distant or too overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so that comes back to it being, you know, realistic and achievable. Mm. So, and then having, yeah, like smaller milestones along the way, depending on the, the size of the goal, like yeah, you can, you can look at it long term and then, and then break that into short term and medium term goals. But yeah, there's the, you know, the James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, like the Goldilocks zone. It's where what you're trying to do is within your reach, but it does push you a little bit. Like it's not too easy. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, it's not way beyond you that, you know, it's overwhelming and you lose all motivation because, you know, there's such a discrepancy between where you are and what's required to achieve it. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I like what you said there about it not being too easy. I think there's definitely a fine line in between um with it being too easy and i suppose too too complicated to make it like to keep it simple um and the fact that a lot of people think can be on the side of either wanting to stay comfortable while they're trying to achieve those goals um and not wanting to feel too uncomfortable but realizing that when we are trying to achieve something that we don't have right now, there are going to be times where we do have that adversity and have those like more difficult times. And it is, it is natural and it's normal. Um, but it's not going to be something that you're going to have to deal with forever. Like we don't, like we don't want to have to be in this phase of reaching the goal forever. Like it, it obviously depends on the goal. But if we're looking at fat loss, for example, we're not always going to be dieting. Like, and that's not the goal clearly. So people have to realize if they are facing a bit of adversity or are feeling a bit uncomfortable, it's a temporary thing in the long, like the the grand scheme of things, I suppose. Yeah, of course. Like that's obviously something to keep in mind as well, that, you know, it, it can be challenging at times. Um, uh, and that's where I suppose the, the kind of timelines come into it as well, that you have these sort of milestones to hit, like, you know, yourself with say fat loss clients, depending on how much, there is to lose like you may not you may not get there all in one phase yeah. you know you may need periods of maintenance uh where you you know get them just maintaining what they have yeah. achieved already get them eating a little bit more but maintaining that body composition and then pushing on again so again it depends depends how much there is to do and how long it's going to take but yeah it's, it's definitely not a forever thing yeah um that is yeah you're right that is important to keep in mind because you know i don't you know none of us would i think embark on a diet if we thought we were gonna have to do it forever you know yeah exactly yeah 100 percent. and when we are creating these goals or setting these goals do you think is it important to look to the past and see why we may have failed on past resolutions for example so if there is someone that has failed on previous resolutions and thinking oh like i failed on all these in the past few years i've given them up in a few months what's going to be different about this one and what did I do wrong or not so right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of rare, I think, to to see people reflect and be introspective yeah. um, along those lines. Um, we're all very much distracted and always like, you know, forward thinking and yeah. don't don't spend much time thinking about, oh, you know, why didn't why didn't I achieve this last time? And you know, unfortunately, most of the time, people will probably just blame themselves and say oh, I didn't want it bad enough or my willpower yeah. was too weak, which is rarely, rarely the case. Yeah. Um, you know, f- for the most part, um, they're they're probably either not, you know, they're setting goals that are too too far beyond where they're at. So I always mm. say, you know, s- start where you're at when trying to set these behavior goals. So, yeah. you know, if you have a, a habit or behavior goal of eating more fruits and vegetables, say, mm. and, you know, and you, and you currently eat, you know, one, one vegetable, one serving of vegetables and one piece of fruit a day, you know, it's very, it's not fair for you to expect to then go from day one that, and then day two, I'm going to have 10 servings of veg and 10 servings of fruit. Like it's, it's too big of a jump. So I think people setting the bar for what counts as success and failure with respect to their behavior goals and habits uh, makes a big big difference and this is something i see all the time and i find it like it's funny because these are all sort of self-imposed um standards that we have so yeah. it's like we decide for ourselves okay this is the target and if i don't have 10 servings of fruit and veg a day then i have failed yeah. and and then once you get into that cycle of 
constantly failing because you've set a goal for a habit that's too far beyond where you currently are hmm. that's not set in in kind of real life so you're saying oh i should be eating this much so that's what i'll aim for rather than i'm eating this much right now what is a you know realistic improvement on that that i might be able to sustain for a week or two weeks yeah. and then reassess and you know if you set the bar low enough uh, when you know just for getting started with these kind of habits and goals if you set the bar low enough you start to develop a sense of self-efficacy and confidence it's like you know i can do this yeah. i've set this habit i've nailed this you know five days out of seven the last two weeks that's pretty good maybe i'm ready to take it take it up a notch and then you know if you can take it up a notch you know four or five times six times in like this course of six months or something like that you're going yeah. to be you're going to be so far ahead from where you started um, because you've been able to be consistent and, and keep going with it. Yeah. So that, yeah, setting the bar is for your habits and behaviors, making that, making sure you're, you're ready, willing and able to do it, um, it is really important. And that's, that's probably why I would say people fail most of the time. Like, first of all, if they don't have a strong enough why behind them, like mm. we've been talking about, and then also just, setting targets that are not meeting them where they're at right now and yeah. and you know it's because we want we want it to happen now we want it to happen fast we compare ourselves to other people who are already at that point yeah and say hey that's the you know is that the benchmark well no your benchmark is whatever, wherever you are yeah and it's and your you, it's your chapter one not their chapter 10 like that you're trying to go go from like so people a lot of the time measuring up so if you're if you are doing that comparison which so many people like like fall for that they think they're they could be looking up to this person though that person's in great shape but that person's on their chapter their own chapter 10 they've been at it for a while if we're starting off at chapter one it's just not a thing we should be comparing to like a, a lot of the time it's it's a lot i know a lot of a lot of people will say it could could be used as a source of motivation but if we're looking at an unrealistic motivation sometimes it's gonna do more bad than good in terms of we can't measure up to that because we're never going to skip those chapters in between to get up to the level they're at a lot of the time anyways like yeah i mean it's it's probably nice to have that as a source of motivation to say yeah. hey that's what can be achieved yeah um given the the proper amount of time and effort and exactly. you know like that's what can be achieved maybe but yeah. again you're you're running into problems there potentially if you're comparing yourself with maybe average or below average genetics to someone mm. who you're more likely to see online yeah. because because if you're seeing them they're kind of there's a survivorship bias there so they've made it you know based on their physique or how they look or whatever it is yeah. um so they're probably going to be in the genetic elite and you know i liked i i often refute the idea that comparison is the teeth of joy because i could say you know if you can see someone do something and you say well you know, hey, I can do that as well. Mm. Um, you know, that's great. And then you can also compare it to people who are you know less fortunate than you. That's another discussion. Um, but yeah, you got to be careful with those sorts of motivation. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, admire maybe their work ethic um, and their determination. Hopefully they have that. Hopefully they're putting out good, good content as well. Um, but again, just compare you to you in terms of how you're progressing and like you said, cause you're writing your own book, as you're saying here, um, you're not, you're not doing it for anyone else. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. 100%. I think that brings me to my next point. Um, and that's looking at our surrounding environment when we are setting our goals and making sure that we are setting ourselves up for success in our, our surroundings and our environments. And one of the biggest things I think with the year and the times we're in at the moment is looking to social media and looking at the influences we are having on social media and that that word that influencers and whether whether it is a good or a bad word we are getting influenced by the things that we're looking at each day on all those things and making sure that it is positive influences and not for example having following i'll see a lot of clients that will be following again looking at those like genetic elitists like where we may never get to that point, unfortunately. And that's just something like we have to know, like sometimes, but it's more so, more so than that. It's looking at 
what makes us feel good and what makes us feel bad when we open up that phone. So if someone mm. is, if someone is making us feel bad when we're looking at their stuff, we have to realize that we're like, there is an un- unfollow button there and there is a mute button that you don't need to see those posts if you don't want to. So it's making sure we are setting up that environment and getting rid of any of those. I don't want to say negative, but maybe like not so positive on our mindset or our own goals. Yeah, like it's it's going to be obviously very individual how yeah. you how like you versus me responds to something we see online. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of individuality to that. It's going to depend on you know where you're at with your own mindset and your own headspace. But yeah, you're right. You have control over at least that part of your environment and like yeah, yeah the environment that you're in not just the social media environment that's part of it but like oh, your totally overall yeah. environment is one of the most important factors to try and shape any success mm. because our environment is full of cues for different behaviors so yeah. most of most of our habits and behaviors are automatic and we don't consciously have to think about them like when you go into a room you don't have to think oh i need to turn on the light you just turn on the light yeah. Um, so, you know, the cue of the, the room being dark triggers that behavior of turning on the light. So, you know, you have to be conscious about it initially when you're establishing a behavior like that. But, mm. yeah, it's very important that you manage the cues in your environment because they are going to create actions. And then that will lead to some sort of result, be it positive or negative, depending on your situation. But, yeah, social media, like you have to be, you know, you have to be aware um and think about you know how do i how do i react how do i feel when i see this account online Mm. and you know part of me part of me would say i would i would want to explore that a little bit more it's like why am i feeling that way yeah if i do feel bad when i open this account or see this sort of post I i would like to say you know what kind of thoughts make me feel bad about that or what am i feeling and why that might be so is, that's it, is, it, is it the, the actual person or is it my own insecurities and things like that? Yeah, which, you know, it's an interesting uh, topic and that's getting into kind of uh, almost cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. kind of approach to things and trying to figure out what, what your thoughts are, are creating for you in that situation. But yeah, I mean, like short term, for sure, like you need to cultivate an environment that's going to be mostly positive for you that's going to be helpful for your, for your goals. And if you can find yourself, you know, feeling generally down, feeling bad about seeing certain things on social media, then yeah, I think as a, as a short-term fix, I would say, you know, be very, very diligent about who you follow and who you don't and how it's affecting you. And like, like you said, you have control there. The unfollow button there is there. Uh, The mute button is there. Mm. So there's no reason for you to have to keep exposing yourself to that, thing that is affecting you negatively i'm not going to say it's negative as a no as a situation as a a general concept because Mm. it's how we interpret that 100 percent. but you know short term i would like people to explore you know why is it that i feel bad when i see this i would like to see people kind of go down that path a little bit but for sure um social media can be a wonderful place like you said it can be full of motivation mm. um you know you can connect with like-minded people there's communities on there um there's lots of educational content on there obviously um yeah. and then also uh, and then there's the other side of it so just to make sure you you manage it um and tend to that like a like a garden almost um you know keep the weeds down and keep growing the things that you want to grow there yeah exactly and i think more so not more so, but I suppose just as important as that, as the influence that someone is having or the way they're making you feel is looking at the actual information they're putting out and making sure we are following the right people. Because unfortunately, a lot of people can get big followings or a lot of trust built in them and sometimes don't deserve that trust, I think, with some of the stuff they put out. And it's very important for if you are following someone that you do your research don't blindly believe exactly what they're saying. And that goes for even someone following both of us. Like a, a mm. person, even if they're looking for a coach, they should not blindly believe just like without any research, whatever, having 100%. It's great to have the trust in the person, but you should never, I don't think, rely solely on that person. You can, It's all like there's more information out there than we've ever had before. And it's at the click of our fingertips. Like, Yeah, you're right. Like it's, you can... 
you can learn any you can learn everything about anything these days yeah. uh, you know via the internet and there's so much content and information out there and so much noise that it's very hard to find the signal and yeah yeah i think you need to have diff- certain criteria in mind when you're when you're looking to you know maybe hire somebody because it's a pr- it's a very privileged position that we are in that people are going to trust us um right. to to help them and to guide them and to provide them with good information and you know you want to look obviously like credibility what kind mm. of credentials do they have yeah. um what sort of education do they have on on the subject um what sort of person are, they are what sort of person they are yeah like you know can you get a feel for what their values are um do they act with integrity like you know a lot of this is hard to elucidate just from looking at someone's profile but yeah. You're following someone for long enough, or you do a little bit of digging around, and mm. um, you, you should be able to get a sense. Um, do you know if you ever ask them to support any claims they're making? You know how do they react to that? Do they yeah. do they tr- almost bite your head off? Being like, you know, who are you to question what I'm putting out here? Or do they give you the actual response? Or you know, are open to discussion about it? And I mean, a lot of people are very quick to jump to go on on the internet and just write nonsense and it, there's yeah. a lot of that that goes on but you know see see do they have results with people like mm-hmm. you you know if you're looking to hire somebody do they have results with people who are like you yeah. rather than just them being you know genetically elite maybe sort of have created a living from their physique and their lifestyle yeah therefore they don't you know they they can train you know at least once a day, if not twice a day, maybe their stress levels are quite low because of that, um, based on the lifestyle they've created. Like that's not going to be the same for the majority of people. So see, have they got results with people who are just like you in your situation? Yeah. Um, and if any of those results are shared, go talk to those people. Exactly. Yeah. Ask them, you know, what was this person like as a coach? Um, uh, yeah, this is, this is more for actually hiring some of your coaching, but, there's uh yeah are they are they extreme in their viewpoints um mm. do they make like absolutist statements like always or never yeah. um in their content they're all they're all ways to try and determine if someone is credible i suppose yeah. and going to be a valuable source of information and i think there's definitely um red flags to look out for like you're saying there if there is absolutes in it or saying this is the only way or this way suits everyone and things like that are not willing to back up claims they've made on any statements or I suppose in general, I I find personally, like if the person isn't willing to help you, if you were to ask a question, if they're not like willing to give a bit of help or I suppose if they're, if they are trying to like their general goal is to be helping people, they should be willing to say for even one small question, like mm. answering that over Instagram or something like that. If they're not willing to do that and it's, it's pushing straight to the service all the time, I definitely think it's another pretty much a red flag for me anyways, personally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, hopefully people like that are, are giving out content for free. They're trying to provide yeah. value as a, as a starting point. Um, with their with whatever their content or their social media presence yeah and then like you said you know depending on who it is and the size they're following they may not even check dms um at that point but you know maybe they do q a's or something like that and mm. you know they're at least taking time to answer people's questions maybe they won't get to your question necessarily but yeah yeah they're, they're all good signs because that like you said that displays the kind of values that they have for helping people and that's why they do this rather than oh yeah buy my program Mm. um i'm just trying to you know make a turnover on it yeah 100 percent. so i'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here if you give a few tips for any listeners out there now that are trying to set goals if there's anything in general for how they can best set themselves up to have a successful i suppose resolution or goals in the future so not actually how to set the goals itself but how i suppose in general to make those successful so i know you touched on behaviors and habits and things like that is there any other tips that you you'd give yeah so i would say not trying to do too much at once also so you you might have a a long list of goals that you want to try and achieve so i'd say you know pick one or two for starters and and go with them and establish what you need to do to achieve them um because at the same like 
we talked about getting overwhelmed by how much you're trying to do earlier on. And if you if you take on too many goals, it's it's quite hard. It's quite easy to lose the run of it, and you know suddenly you're not tending to one enough, and then you're starting to panic and starting to feel that kind of burden on you. So pick one or two at a time, work on them, get them up and running, and then you can start to add in more. Um, yeah, like we talked about the environment there a few minutes ago. So shaping your environment so that's it's as productive and positive for you and whatever your goals are so like if you're trying to eat less you know uh high calorie uh treat foods because you're trying to lose weight you know either not having them in the house or at least having them out of sight and somewhere where they're not as easily accessible as say maybe the fruit bowl is because that's right there on the counter like that's a good example of shaping your environment um like laying out your your workout clothes um you know, the night before, so they're there, and that's in your environment, that's a trigger, you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna have to go train now, um, and then you you would want to have some sort of uh, measure or tracking of how you're getting on with those, with those goals, so you can actually see how you're doing, and so you can evaluate um, how they're going for you, um, if, if you need to change or tweak anything. One that's really good is... Um, an implementation intention it's called again that's uh again that's from atomic habits um by james clear so the idea there is you're making a, an appointment with yourself which is how i've usually phrased it in the past but like it's it's like up to 90 percent more likely that you will do something if you write down what exactly you're going to do where you're going to do it and when you're going to do it so for example it's kind of vague to say, I'm going to train three times this week. Whereas if you say, I'm going to train Monday, Wednesday, Friday at six o'clock when I'm on my way home from work, that is very clear. You can, you can put that in your calendar because, you know, when was the last time you say missed an appointment with, say, a dentist or a doctor or something like that? Mm. Um, so if you can make appointments with yourself and know exactly when and where you're going to do something, um, it's a lot more likely that you will do it. So that's implementation intention knowing the where when how and the what um being very specific about that and then in terms of creating new habits you can you can do something called habit anchoring where if you're trying to establish a new habit you try and tie it into something that you already do because say if you have if something you already do then it's already habitual for you so you know maybe for us you know we, we have breakfast every morning Right. So maybe you have a habit or a goal of drinking more water. So you could make then the implementation intention to anchor to that habit of having breakfast or making breakfast to say, OK, with my breakfast, I'm going to have you know a pint of water. And then the act of making breakfast is already the cue or the mm -hmm. trigger for that habit. And then it makes it a lot easier to because you're not trying to carve out a new slot for yeah. say drinking more water at least not initially yeah. um that's a really really good one there's lots of lots of one, things you can do with that say you know you do some stretching or mobility or something like that while you're watching your favorite tv show yeah another example so you're already <laughs> going to watch the tv show that's already carved out so then you're just adding in something to what you're already doing mm -hmm. um that also ties into an idea of doing some pairing things that you need to do with things that you want to do so that'll be another so you know you want to watch the tv show and maybe you need to do a bit of mobility work um so you can pair them together and it makes it a lot more appealing then to do the and this is this is all just to get a habit started and get it going yeah. and once it, once you are in a routine of it it'll be a lot easier to maintain again you won't really think about it anymore you'll just do it i like that yeah i like that a lot now so i do because I, I remember hearing something about it before um, very similar to that. I feel like it might have been Jamie Alderson that mentioned it in one one of his books, and that was just saying for the um, the act of practicing gratitude. And again, it was just it was pairing up, and it was like say you might pair it with brushing your teeth. I know it's not pairing something that you want to do with something that you need to do, but it it's still I suppose the same principle of pairing things up. Um, and that definitely does actually bring us on something I'd love to touch on with you because I know you're a big enough fan of all this sort of thing. So practicing gratitude and I'd love to touch on stoicism as well, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, absolutely, man. So 
Yeah, so uh, we start with gratitude or we start with stoicism? Yes, whichever you want. I suppose we can start off with explaining to people what, what your opinion of gratitude is. So, Yeah, perfect. So um, gratitude for me, or the, the act of practicing gratitude mm. and cultivating an attitude of gratitude, as it's, you know, yeah. as it's put, is one of the most simple ways to, say, improve mood and happiness and and feelings of overall well-being and you know like anything that we talk about is not wishy-washy like this is well researched yeah that gratitude practicing gratitude can make you happier um by up to 20 percent in in some of the main studies that are done on gratitude it's up up to 20 percent and that's only in doing this once per week so i you know I, i think once per week is is too little to do it. It's way better than not doing it at all. Yeah. That's always going to be the case. But, you know, if you can get a 20% increase in your happiness um, from doing something once a week, then what, what might you get with doing it, say, five times a week? Yeah. And and it's as good as uh, doubling your wages, actually, um, in terms of making you happier, except with something like doubling your wages or getting something material, um the boost and happiness is actually it's short term because then it becomes the new normal and you adapt to that. Whereas gratitude keeps on working. Um, and then it creates like a positive feedback loop as well, where, you know, if you're practicing gratitude, you're going about your day in a more grateful state. And like when I say gratitude, I mean, appreciating what you have in your life, um, things that maybe you, you can control for and things that you can't control for. Um, but just having an appreciation of that. So then it takes you out of this loop of constantly wanting more or mm. having emphasis on what you don't have or what you're lacking. It, yeah. it puts it puts the focus back onto what you do have and trying to appreciate little things in life. Um, and, you know, you most most of your life is going to be made up of little moments and little things. So if you can get to a point where you appreciate them, and you enjoy those more, then you're setting yourself up for a happier life, yeah. um, better mental health, better emotional health. Um, you know, you you have better physical health because those two are connected. You can't separate the the mental and the physical. Um, you'll be more resilient um, when things genuinely do kind of, you know, as life does have its downs, uh, you'll be more resilient because mm. you're programmed to be more grateful for even if you're having a shit time, you'll still appreciate the little things that are there with this practice. So um, I think for people starting out with it, um, a, a, a pre-made gratitude journal, like the five-minute journal, is really good. Um, that's what I would have used starting out. And, you know, it's nice because it has a template. You don't, yeah. have, to think, you don't have to think too much about it. You, the prompts are right there for you, and you just fill them in. And then after that, after the six months of using that, you can then go and, you know, just kind of do it yourself. Um, but, yeah, it's it's fantastic, man. And it's it's one of the most effective ways I've, I've found for myself and for clients to just easily and simply improve their, their mood and their overall sense of well-being. Like, it's great. It's one of the best things you can do. Um, so, yeah, you're right in saying that I'm a huge fan. And I think, you know. You know, it's kind of almost like one thing I could recommend people go and do to improve their lives yeah. uh, without having to do too much or invest too much is just to adopt a regular gratitude practice. It's yeah. class. Yeah. And like you said, like it, it is really, it's like, it's basically cost free. Like other than getting paying for that journal or something like that, it's just mm. taking a few minutes of your time and it's well worth what you're actually getting back. And not to get into anything that is again, wishy washy or anything like that, but I do think when we do start to focus more on those positives of what we do have rather than what we don't have, it definitely has a positive influence on bringing that. I don't want to, I don't want to say a positive energy, <laughs> but just, just having that, that posi- positivity, I suppose, about it all. Mm. And that doesn't like, there's no doubt that it's going to help bring in towards like that you are looking towards more positive things and you are eventually going to. Again, it's going to that positive energy, isn't it? Um, I'd rather stay away from that. It's just, it's just bringing those more positive things into our life rather than focusing on the negatives and maybe possibly bringing in more negatives into our lives just because that's what we're focusing on. 
So it is a, mm. definitely like it's a massive thing. So when we're looking at our goals and we're looking at life in general or anything like that, and that's outside health and fitness. I think that it, it brings in everything like gratitude. Like it is taken outside health and fitness. It can be literally anything to do with our life and it can have a positive influence on everything to do with our life. Yeah, it's amazing. And then to go with that, stoicism. Would you like to so, explain to people what that is? I know you're definitely a massive fan of this <laughs> and the Daily Stoic. Yeah, an enormous fan of, like I said, that book, The Daily Stoic. Um, I'll touch on that in a second. But yeah. to, to explain what stoicism is to people. So, you know, as, a, as an adjective, it's like people may think of it as being kind of emotionless and like, you know, nothing, you don't react to anything, nothing phases you. Yeah. Um, and while there are elements of that within stoicism, it's, but it's a, it's a philosophy, um, an ancient philosophy it has been around for, you know, at least 2000 years or thereabouts. Mm. Um, but it's a very, very practical philosophy and it, it resonates with people. And you can see that where, you know, one of the best books, I think my favorite book of all time, at least so far, is mm. the Daily Stoic. Um, and, you know, it it has a quote um, from one of these um, primary Stoic texts. So these come from, say, Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor. Um, he has a book that we're fortunate enough to be able to read and access, which is it's a private diary of his um, that survived and is now widely available and it just has all these really practical tips for thinking about life essentially and how to respond to things that happen in life challenges and otherwise problem solving um like the, the three main components of stoicism is to uh, first of all you know you, you can control how you perceive things and how you perceive the things that happen to you so that's why i said earlier I wouldn't class someone's social media as negative. I would say it's neutral until you attach meaning to it. Yeah. And and you have control on what sort of meaning you attach to things and things that happen in your life. Um, they don't so much happen to you. They happen. You may be there. You may have to react or respond to them. And, you know, it, in that sense, in that, that part of it, it, it helps you just not get too thrown off by maybe little things that happen to you, you know, you basically become immune to things that are inconsequential or insignificant, um, which gives you a lot more physical and emotional energy to deal with the things you actually want to deal with. Um, maybe, you know, genuinely tough things come up. Um, so it's, it's fantastic for that. So yeah, controlling your perceptions. Um, the next main point of it is that you, direct your actions properly so that that really comes down to just doing the right thing and you know being a good human in life um in how you act and then the the third main component of it would be that there are always going to be things outside of your control that you can't you can't influence so you just have to willingly accept that which isn't in your control um because it's it's going to happen things are going to happen that you can't control for if you want to assess it, you say, can I do anything here? If the answer is no, then you just have to be at peace with it because what else are you going to do and what good is it going to do you to get all worked up, upset about something that you can't change anyway? Mm. So with all that said, like it's, it's, you know, it's, some of these texts are, you know, like I said, 2000 years old, but when you share them, where you share these excerpts with people uh, like on, on Instagram and things like that, you know, people are like, wow, what? what book is that that resonates so much and it resonates with us all because mm. it's almost like a blueprint for for good living it's full of practical wisdom yeah, it's universal um, so it is really yeah it really is universal to you know the human experience and yeah. it will help help you just live a you know with more calm more poise um like i said not being not being a slave to your emotions and letting them pull you this way and that so that you can actually focus on what you want to do in life and how you want to spend that physical and mental and emotional energy. Yeah, 100%, I agree. And just for anyone that didn't hear what the book is, it's The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. I think he, does he have, he has a, does he have a workbook or, or another book there, that goes with that? There is a Daily Stoic journal, yeah, journal, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you used that? Yeah, I do have it. Um, it's, 
what it has is a a morning reflection and an evening reflection and there's also a you know it's it's like the daily stoic book there's a page for every day of the year um and then there's a a prompt or a quote from that page that corresponds in the daily stoic um to to give you something to write about if you want um my only gripe about it is that there is it's there's not very much space for the actual writing um which I understand because the book would be like twice as thick yeah, if yeah, yeah. it's bigger. Um, but no, it's it's a nice, definitely compliment. And if, if if someone who has never done any journaling before, which, you know, we talked about gratitude journaling specifically, mm-hmm. but journaling in general, I think is a fantastic practice to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's a good accompaniment. And then Ryan, Ryan Holiday has lots of other books um, on the, the subject of stoicism, like... Um, Obscure is the way. Yeah, the obstacle is the way. Ego is the enemy. Um, that new one, stillness, is the key. I haven't read yet. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if that actually pertains to stoicism or not. Um, and then you have the, you know, I, I like people to start with the daily stoic yeah, because definitely. it's literally just one page a day. Uh, you can read it in the morning or you know whenever you get a chance, and it gives you a little bit to reflect on, to think about. Say, okay, I'm going to try and apply this today. And then you know, if you find that you like that you can go and get the original texts by yeah. the likes of, you know, meditations by Marcus Aurelius, um, the letters from a stoic by Seneca, yeah. um, on the shortness of life by Seneca, um, Epictetus, his book, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, the Enchiridion, mm. I want to say something like that. Um, so it's just a really practical philosophy. That's, it's not just sitting there and kind of bandying words about, um, it's like, you know, I have something that's going to happen to me today. This will help guide me through that. Yeah. And that's kind of what it comes down to. And it is, like you said, it is a great starting point because it is that only that one page a day. So it's, you don't have to, like, it's a great habit to have as well. Like one page a day, they're very easy to read. You could join that in with your breakfast in the morning if you wanted just beforehand, making your cup of tea or whatever you're doing get it done there it literally only takes two minutes and it is a very good habit to have i know it's my literally my second year now on it and i'm going mm. over it again and it's ju- just as good so it is like and it's a very oh, easy yeah. read like you said yeah it's going to be never ending i think for for the likes of us i don't even know what yeah. year i'm on now at least yeah. at least the third year if not fourth maybe mm. um and you know my copy is like rife with little tags and stuff sticking out between the pages of things i've highlighted yeah. and bookmarked and you know it's full of highlights it's class like because it's it's only it's it's a quote from the original text and then some interpretation on on how you can apply that Mm. so it's a very very easy low barrier to entry and you know based on what we've talked about today if if people want to you know improve their life overall in like you know five minutes or less a day you could you could do a lot worse than picking up a copy of the daily stoic and maybe getting yourself a gratitude journal and just work on the both of those and see where that takes you 100 percent. and um i think a lot of people nowadays are looking towards like it is becoming such a popular area as people looking at all those mindset books that are out there and i don't know if you would agree now but i think like the daily stoic is probably one of the best places you could start for that for improving our mindset above any other book that is like like you said all these things have been around for for so many years like Mm. um so it is it is a great place if someone is looking to start some sort of mindset book or are looking to improve their mindset. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's funny. You, you probably notice this yourself, like with reading a lot of things, but you mm. start to see the same yeah, so things popping up. Yeah, just interpreted as slightly different or people putting a little bit of a spin on it. But it is practically like... Yeah, and then in, in the case of Stoicism as well, you know, that's laid a found, laid the foundations for a lot of what is modern day cognitive behavioral therapy um so that's where a lot of it actually comes from um you know that kind of idea of identifying your thoughts and identifying are they logical are they rational are they helpful mm-hmm. and then you know figuring it out from there so that's you know i have a i have a book there um which is called the philosophy of cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which talks about how stoicism influences it and how they're related and how it is like the original CBT. Okay. I must look into that. Um, just to finish out then, there's just two little questions that I think it'd be great. I think a lot of the time podcasts can become, it's great to have the discussion and things like that. And sometimes I know I remember in the past finding hard to 
to pull out the practical tips that can be taken from it. So it's nice to to end the podcast episode after all the great information that has been on already and that you've given is just to give a few practical tips on people that are in the process or else having started already with their new new year's resolutions. So are there any tips you'd give for someone that is starting into the gym as a beginner, how, how they can make sure it's successful. So I know we've touched on it a bit, but is there any practical tips you can give? Yeah. I mean, so I think, I think if you're getting started in the gym, probably think hiring somebody to help you, um, like a, a personal trainer or something like that is, is a great idea because it, it fast tracks the, the learning process and the results that you're therefore going to get. And it does that at the right time where you're most liable to fall off and, and maybe lose motivation or, you know, maybe you don't have all the skills and know-how that you need to do to get to where you want to go. Yeah. So hiring somebody, like you can compare it to, you know, if you're going, uh, going abroad on a holiday or something like you can, you can obviously just wander around a city yourself and, you know, see what's what and do whatever. But, you know, if you really want to get a better experience of that, you can consider going on a guided tour yeah. with someone who has that experience, who knows what they're doing and what they're going to show you. And that's kind of where a coach or a trainer or something if in the context of the gym is going to come in handy. Um, so, you know, finding someone good, like we talked about, do your research on them, um, make sure they've got results with people like you, see what they're like as a person. If they have a, a social media presence, it's, it's cool to be able to actually, you know, scope people out from yeah. a distance before you approach them. Mm. Um, so do that. Um, again like you must identify why you're going to the gym in the first place like that's probably the one of the key takeaways from this um dig down into that why and never forget forget the reason that you are there um and then yeah just you know accept that you're going to be it's probably going to be you're going to be in it for a while you're going to be developing habits and behaviors it's not a quick fix and that you know you'll hopefully enjoy the process of it um because you have that good meaning behind you. Yeah. That's, I think they're pretty good tips. And I'd just like to clear up then when we're talking about scoping out personal trainers. I know a lot of people are watching that show, You, on Netflix at the moment. Brian is, <laughs> Brian is definitely referring to scoping them out on, on Instagram, maybe. A few messages to clients, <laughs> but not following them to their houses and stealing some of their things or anything like that. Because I, I think people are getting a bit a bit too into this show. I, I think even I am. So uh, just to clear that up is more of a... And then, yeah, I haven't actually seen that. Um, have you not? No, yeah. I'm I'm sort of semi aware of, of what it's about, but yeah, I haven't actually yeah. watched it. Yeah, so. yeah. I think I think a lot of people are, are pretty stuck on that over the Christmas, so just said I cleared that up as well. Um and then to finish out, I know we just touched on the gym there and we have touched on nutrition a small bit. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to say about people setting up nutrition now at the moment is there anything any advice you'd give for setting up their nutrition i know one thing i find a lot of the time is people there's a, a massive thing has came around this my fitness pal and tracking apps over the last while which i think is definitely great but it's very important for people to realize that it it's not the only way you do not have to do it it's very 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 helpful to do at some point for most people because you will learn the caloric value of different foods and uh, realize that there is calories in our healthy foods and that unfortunately as much as we'd love it to be that way just eating healthy if we are trying to lose weight won't be the be all and end all and it will come down to the your calorie deficit and things like that although mm. we do still want to look at the quality of foods for our health um, so it definitely helps and things like that, but it's, it's definitely not the only way. Like we have our different tiers that like I like to put to my clients is that we have our portion control. We have habit tracking. We have that calorie tracking and there's so many other options. Is there anything you'd like to say on that matter? Yeah. So I think like one point to make is, and this comes back to new year's resolutions is that a lot of time people are trying to go from a period of where they've arguably been at their worst in terms of eating and drinking, you know, in the last, in the last month in December, um, to then trying to be better than they have ever been before, or at least they have been in a long time, mm. you know, as assuming they maybe tried eating healthy this time last year, failed, and then just went back to their old habits. So, yeah. um, you gotta just, 
Yeah, go on. It's it's like anything, so it's, sorry to interrupt. It's like anything. We don't want to go from zero to 100 straight away. It's like if you had done your first driving lesson, you're not going to go drive in the Formula One. No, exactly. And like, you know, you're not going to go squat 100 kilos in mm. on your second day in the gym. Exactly. So, and then in terms of like practical things people can do, um, I, I like to start a lot of people out with the eating more slowly and more mindfully. And yeah, chew the actually, food. Chewing your food properly, taking your time, not eating in a rushed state, um, and then the, and then acknowledging how full they actually are when they're eating. So, mm. like I might look at that depending on the client. Obviously, it's it's very individual, but yeah. I might look at that as as the first point before we even talk much about what they eat. Um, is ter- in terms of how you eat it, and that's very useful um, for eating out because you know, say even if you are tracking food, it can be difficult to track food. Um, in a restaurant so but you can always rely on eating slowly so that your body can actually sense how full you are and then you can stop like if if you have a fat loss goal you know when you're about a seven or an eight out of ten in terms of fullness yeah um and that will take practice because most people don't do this most people are miles away from doing this these days um so it will take some practice like any skill like we're talking about any skill here you're not going from zero to 100 you might start with five mindful slow meals per week mm. um and then an easy an easy rule to to keep in mind is the 5 10 15 rule mm. um so that would be five deep breaths before you go and start your meal um because that puts you into a more relaxed state which is going to improve digestion it's going to encourage you to eat more slowly then 10 is you know 10 seconds between bites of food so that will force you to chew more slowly Put the food down, put the fork down, whatever it is. Um, take your time, chew it properly. And then 15 is minutes that it should take you to have a meal or even longer. So, you know, you can set a timer just to see where your baseline is. And if you find you're eating a meal in, you know, seven or eight minutes, you know, try to push that up to 10 because that's meeting you where you're already at, like we've talked about already. Um, and then work your way up to like, you know, 15 and then, you know, even 20, like the numbers are sort of arbitrary there, but it's just easy to remember five, 10, 15. Um, so starting there and then looking at your basic things that we always talk about trying to have a good serving of protein with every main meal. Um, you know, if you're training, that'll, you know, if you're back to training or you're newly training, that'll help with your recovery and help with your progress. Also help keep you full, keep your energy levels stable. Um, because, you know, hunger is going to be a main component that throws people off. Um, so eating more protein is a great way to deal with that. And as you slowly transfer to eating a, a more wholesome, like whole food diet, um, you're going to find your hunger is a lot better managed anyway because you're eating these voluminous um, kind of lower calorie foods that are high in fiber, all that good stuff. Yeah. So That's just taking it, yeah, taking it slowly, taking it step by step. So like. You know, I would never say to somebody, okay, let's let's jack your protein up this week and you're going to eat five more servings of vegetables and fruit and you're going to increase your fiber by, you know, 20 grams. Like that's that's three things going on simultaneously. So I would say, no, take those one by one, work on each one for one week or two weeks, see how you get on um, and then keep on going with that. And like I said, take it slow. Um, it's not, a, there's gone, not going to be any quick fixes, especially not for a beginner or for someone who has not been had much success with this uh, in a while maybe because i don't know about you i work with a lot of people who have obviously tried crash diets in the yeah. past and you know all you have to say to them is well how's that worked for you in the past yeah it's like oh, okay well not so good I, I give up all sweets like trying to give up all sweets and chocolate between halloween and christmas like this is an, an example of, of someone i'm working with at the moment yeah um and she had said that you know i have in the past just gone on crash diets and then and then fallen off and then gained more weight and i'm like okay well how about this time we don't cut out all those foods um we just give you some ideas on how to portion control them how to manage them they're you're you're allowed to eat all these foods and like she's flying now like she's doing Mm. so well and you know initially she's like all right it's weird that i'm eating like croissants and pasta and stuff um on a regular basis but i'm sticking with the diet I'm losing weight and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty glad that you didn't stick with that resolution of, you know, cutting all that stuff out. So, yeah. you know, t- take your time and don't take on more than 
than what you're able for at this moment in time. Take it slow. Um, obviously, if you need more help, you can contact people like myself or people like yourself. And um, you know, having a guide, I think, is great. Uh, avoid fads and any sort of any approaches that seem extreme um, because they're likely not going to serve you too well in the long run. Yeah. And like I will, like I'm saying there that for beginners they need to take it slowly, or for people who haven't had much success in the past. But then you know, people like us who have done this for a long time and we do have a good handle on our food and eating habits and all of our habits uh, relating to like you know lifestyle and health. You know, we're probably in a in a position where we could do a quote unquote crash diet if we wanted to. Mm. Um, and, you know, when someone gets to that more advanced level, yeah, it might be appropriate. So it's not to say it's never appropriate, yeah. but it's very individual. Yeah. And not for not for someone who hasn't been successful with their eating habits in the past or they're just starting out. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, I think that that's some good advice there to leave people on. That's a good note. So thanks very much for coming on again. Anyways, Brian, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, it's great to be here. Lovely to chat to you, man. Um, yeah, it's fun. And one last thing then, if anyone wants to find you anywhere, wants to give you a follow, a message, get some info on coaching or anything, where can they find you? Yeah, sweet. So um, I'm most active on Instagram, which is my Instagram is Brian O'Hangisa. It's B-R-I-A-N-O-H-A-O-N-G-H-U-S-A. Um, you can find me there. You can find the company and the coaching services on the Fit Clinic on Facebook or Instagram again. Um, and also the website is thefitclinic.ie or thefitclinicnutrition.com. And you can find out all about our coaching services, about myself, the rest of the coaches. Um, there's lots of free content up there as well and on the Instagram page. So, yeah, if people want any to find out any more about me um, or the Fit Clinic and the coaching, nutrition services, um, that's where to go. Perfect. And I'll put all those details in the description of this episode anyways for anyone that's looking. So that's it. Thanks very much, Brian. Wonderful. Thank you.